Chase. Laura Curran joining us live. It's Cut to the Chase with Laura Curran on 77 WABC. Welcome back to Cut to the Chase. So if you've been listening to this show for the past few weeks, uh, you will be as obsessed as I am with what's going on in Albany with the budget. It's 23 days late. Uh, and I always like to get someone on the inside to tell me what's happening. So I'm very happy to introduce New York State Senator Monica Martinez to the program. Hello, Senator. You. I'm great. So uh, you are now one of, of one of the two, you're sort of an endangered species of Democratic senators from Long Island. And uh, do you find that you have a particular kind of pressure because you're just one of the few now representing a very purple, very purple region? Yes and no. Uh, One, because we all have to work collaboratively regardless of party lines. But in terms of having a seat at the table, yes, I am the only one from Suffolk County. And therefore, my responsibility is to not only listen to my colleagues, on the other side of the aisle, but also listen to my constituencies and bring that to the table when having this conversation with leadership. So what is the latest? What are you hearing about the timing and about the big issues being debated right now behind closed doors? Well, the biggest issues have been revolving housing, bail, um, the uh, good cause eviction, your, your charter schools, you know, so it's it's a big budget um, that includes a lot of policy, more than usual. Right. It's and not just the numbers. As we think of a budget, it, it's sort of happened. It's evolved over the years where a lot of policy that may be controversial gets shoved into the budget just so that it gets done more quickly. And I've always had an opposition to that. I think certain policy issues should not be spoken. I mean, should not be talked into budget um, feelings only because they are very uh, intense. You know, there's a lot of components that go into it. And sometimes putting it in the budget when you don't have enough time where you really need to pass a budget to keep government going. Mm-hmm. These are policy issues that should not even be be in there. Uh, so that's really what's being held up as to why we have not passed the budget. We are to return tomorrow morning uh, to gavel back in at 11 a.m. and go from there. And Tomorrow through Wednesday is regular session days, but obviously hoping that the budget uh, keeps moving and we can have a budget this week. But again, that's very unclear. By the way, listeners, um, I, I interviewed Monica Martinez when she was running for uh, in a primary, in a very interesting primary. If you want to go back and listen to Cut to the Chase Extra, it's actually a good, a really good podcast. I got a lot of good feedback on it. Uh, I won't get into it now because we don't have time, but you were in the Senate. And then you were voted out for two years, and now you're back. Does it feel different now? In a way, only because we have new members uh, and new representation from different people, new districts. Uh, So the district I had in the past, when I was there back in 2018, it was the South Shore of Long Island, Suffolk County. Now my district encompasses Central Suffolk and, um, and Suffolk. So now I only have the townships of Babylon and Islip, when in the past I had Islip and Brookhaven, right? So it's a different constituencies, different people up in Albany as well. But definitely the two years away has helped me grow, uh, not just as a person, but honestly, uh, politically mm-hmm. and, and really navigating certain situations on how to, on how to bring things home, right? How, mm-hmm. you know, they, they bring the bacon home, right? 
Um, but honestly, is really learning how to navigate the ways and listening to everybody. Sometimes speaking softly and carrying that big stick, big stick goes a lot further than having these arguments, right? I think it's very incumbent upon ourselves as elected officials to not only listen, but to hear. Those two words are very different. Yeah. Uh, and, and effectively and efficiently communicate what the constituencies that we represent, what they want, what they're looking for, and really striking that balance. I think finding that balance is sometimes the most difficult part. But I think when you have these conversations, you can come to a compromise. Not everybody's going to be happy, but at least everyone was listened to and heard. Yeah, I, I think, you know, something that's really accelerated is the activist, what I call the activist class, kind of graduating to becoming either staffers or elected officials themselves. And so you're seeing a lot of the way the debate is happening seems to be a lot less compromise and a lot more yelling. And, uh, you know, this, for instance, you mentioned good cause eviction, which is something the very progressive folks are looking for. It's basically rent control for the whole for, for everybody, you know, just completely uh, simplifying it. Um, you're, you're seeing uh, some of your colleagues w- walking around Albany, you know, saying tax the rich along with chanting with protesters, you know, some tax the MFing rich, as I've talked about before <laughs> on this. Is it, you know, you're someone who is, uh, you're, you seem to be more about your constituents than you are about the drama and the theater of it all. Do you, f- you you talked about speaking softly and carrying a big stick. How do you get that message across to your leadership if you're not necessarily the loudest, most performative voice in the room? And that's a great question. You don't need to be aggressive nor yell. And when I go to the leader, I say, and to leadership as a whole, and this includes the governor as well and and the um, and our leader in the Senate, uh, Andre Stewart Cousin, it's more of like, can we sit down and talk? Do you have a few minutes for me? And it's one-on-one, right? Instead of when we're all together and voicing our opinions and voicing our concerns, I feel I get more done when I speak to them on the side, by myself, with them, without having anybody else hear what I'm trying to say because for the fear of someone either leaking what I'm saying or for the fear of someone's going to be condescending in terms of what I'm thinking and what my constituencies want. You know, so for me, I think I've been effective this time around, at least more effective in terms of communicating what the constituencies want is by speaking one-on-one with leadership. So let's talk, Turkey, a little bit about some of these policy issues in the budget. I'm reading, as I'm sure you are, you probably know a lot more than I, that the housing compact is out. That's not going to be part of the budget. Is that is that true? From what we've heard, from what I've heard, yes. And even with that, no one is saying we don't need housing, right? And that's something that we need to clarify because people are saying, well, Long Island doesn't want housing and Long Islanders are suffering too. We know that. Mm -hmm. We know that we have a lack of housing. No one is debating that. What I was advocating for as chair of local government is listen to the local governments and the jurisdictions, right? Let them come up with a plan. Do not override local control, local zoning. We are a home rule state. Keep it in the local authorities. Now, listen, do have, have we seen a lack of housing in some areas? 100%. But we've also seen housing happening around transit-oriented areas, right? Our, our train stations, you'll see it in Wine Dance in my community. I used to represent Patchogue. Patchogue 
also did transit-oriented de- uh, development, farming deal. You know, so you are you are seeing it, and it's not that we're not doing it, but when you threaten that if you do not meet a certain target of housing at a certain time, we will then review and possibly take away your local control. That's yeah, something that it did not go over well. It did not, right? And of course, as myself as chair of local government and listening to 62 counties and all the mayors within the state, I heard them loud and clear. And my job as chair is to voice those concerns and represent them as best I can. Um, and I've been fighting this, this fight for them. State Senator Monica Martinez, we have 15 seconds left. What are you hearing on bail? On bail, um, I believe from what we've heard, the governor has been able to reach an agreement with both the Assembly and the Senate. Um, Again, our whole point is trying to make people safe in the state of New York. And if people are not feeling safe, we have to figure out the reasons and fix them so our communities can feel safe. Right. And we all know that the intent of bail was to not lock someone up because they couldn't afford bail. That was the initial intent. But we all very well know that it went too far. And we were having individuals who are inflicting more crime in our communities than they should have. You know, and bail has been reformed and reformed and reformed. And there's still some pieces that are missing, such mm-hmm. as your repeat offenders. These repeat offenders should not be on the streets every single day. Right. So I, I believe the governor and both uh, the speaker and the leader have come to an agreement. I'm not sure what that agreement is, but hopefully it makes New York safer. Monica Martinez reporting from inside the Sausage Factory, uh, state senator representing a big chunk of Long Island. Thank you for your work and thanks for coming on Cut to the Chase. Up next. Thank you so much. Thank you. Up next, NYPD Commissioner Keyshawn Sewell.